Hey, coaches, what's going on? Welcome to Keep Your Pads Down, and this is episode number 147. Thank you for checking us out today. Hey, breaking news here, fellas. It is Valentine's Day today, so make sure you're taking care of your significant other today. She deserves it after having to put up with you and your crazy coaching schedule, so uh, make sure you're on point when it comes to that and taking care of your better half today. All right, well, so we are back today after a couple weeks off. We are in season four of this podcast, and if this is the first episode you're hearing this year, then you need to know that we are slowing down our pace this season with uh, with the release of our episodes. And instead of releasing one each week, we will look to put out an average of about two episodes a month. So far, we've been able to keep up with that pace. Uh, so this is our first episode of February and the third of season four. And uh, super excited because we're finally getting back to talking some defensive line play today with Old Dominion University defensive line coach Victor Arokanzi. But before we get to our conversation with Coach Vic today, I do want to make sure that I tell you about our sponsors for this season of KYPD, starting off with the guys over at Our Coaching Network. So Our Coaching Network is a coaching platform that connects coaches from all levels and helps them get better every week. Our Coaching Network has live clinics going off usually a couple to several nights a week, and we'll have hours of high-quality live coaching clinics this year because uh, each week's clinics are added to a library, and they can go back and be referred to at any time in the future. So get over there, create your account today. Subscriptions are super affordable. You can even sign up for a free week, and you can cancel at any time. So start connecting with and learning from coaches all across the country today with our coaching network. Next up, if you're looking for a way to promote the awesome things going on within your athletic program this spring, then you got to check out what GoEdit Graphics has to offer. So GoEdit Graphics allows any coach to create custom graphics from their library of templates in a matter of minutes by changing the colors and the text and images to make it their own. They offer categories like game day, scoring, player profiles, and communication, to name a few. The platform is super easy, it's affordable, and absolutely no design skills are needed. GoEdit Graphics is a great way to highlight all your sports and athletes, and subscriptions are for 12 months and include unlimited graphics. Showcase your athletes with custom-made graphics in less than two minutes with GoEdit Graphics. All right, so let's get to our conversation with Coach Vic. Now, as I mentioned already, Coach Vic uh, is at Old Dominion, uh, where he coaches defensive line. He just wrapped up his third season there, um, and he joined the ODU staff after spending the previous two seasons as a prospect analyst at his alma mater there at Oklahoma State. Uh, prior to Oklahoma State, Coach Arakanzi was a GA uh, working with the defensive line at Ole Miss in Oxford. For the 2017 season, he worked with the defensive line as a GA uh, at, at Texas State. And prior to that, he was a defensive quality control coach at Eastern Illinois. Coach Arakanzi got his start in coaching at his alma mater at Oklahoma State after injuries forced him to retire from playing for the Cowboys. He was a two-time academic All-Big 12 selection and played on three teams that played in bowl games, including the Heart of Dallas Bowl, the Cactus Bowl, and the Cotton Bowl. Today, we talk about Coach Vic's coaching journey that has taken him, as you can see, all over the country. And then we dive into his defensive line coaching progression, including some of his favorite everyday drills. We touch on the Monarchs' multiple front defense and then close out our conversation talking some pass rush. And then I ask Coach Vic if he thinks he could beat their offensive line coach in a 40. So a lot of great stuff to get to today, so let's jump on it. Here is Coach Victor Arakanzi on episode number 147 of KYPD.
Coach Vic. Welcome to the podcast. Super excited because uh, we're finally getting back to our roots here and talking some D-line play after opening up the season with uh, a DB coach and a, and a wide receiver coach. So really excited to be talking some D-line, D-line play with you today. So thanks for joining us. Absolutely. And thank you, Ty. It's uh, it's really an honor to be on your show. Uh, it's crazy. I was just looking back at it. It's already been a few years since I started listening to this podcast. You know, really, I believe I started listening to it or discovered it uh, during COVID. And to think it's already been, you know, how many ever years it's been. And uh, I've been listening to it and, uh, you know, I've gotten a lot of useful information off, off of it. And, uh, you know, it's an honor to be able to kind of give back and uh, kind of use this platform to, you know, help other uh, coaches out there. So, you know, really, really looking forward to it. Thanks. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, you say about about COVID. I, I I hear that all the time about, hey, I found this during COVID, and I have to say that time, those months when we were all shut down, that was like the golden age of this podcast. It was so easy to find guys to talk to because we're all sitting around, we're all restless, we're all wanting to do something, wanting to talk, and have some sort of interaction. So it was like uh, almost like shooting fish in a barrel there uh, for those few months when when it comes to finding podcasts. So I know it was a rough time for a lot of people, but finding podcast guests it was it was actually pretty easy and and uh, pretty easy to do a podcast then because you know I'm home all the time but anyway yeah um I'm, I'm, I love uh hearing that that you know that, that guys are you know benefiting from this and frankly that's that's what keeps keeps this thing going for sure well before we really dive into this thing um I'm, I'm talking to you today where, where this is um you know it's it's national signing day and um, I know that you know I'm sure that there are a lot of emotions flooding through you right now some some exhaustion some relief some excitement and you know all those things can you just kind of describe to us what the last month has been like for you coming down uh the home stretch of this recruiting cycle yeah absolutely just like you said you know it's been a lot of hard work uh put in by uh you know many coaches across the country uh certainly our staff here at old dominion uh putting a lot of uh, hours on the road, uh, you know, trying to finish the class off strong. Uh, you know, fortunately, we were able to do that. Uh, we're bringing in a number of young men that we feel are going to help us really <laughs> this this upcoming season. So, uh, you know, it's it's definitely been a grind, and uh, I think we're all looking forward to uh, being back around our players, and uh, also, you know, whenever we can get these young men that we just signed on campus, you know, really looking forward to the future. So. Uh, you know, we're looking forward to it. Yeah. And so, again, for you guys, how does the schedule set up from here? Do you have a couple weeks before you get into spring ball? You know, maybe a little bit of time to catch your breath and kind of reconnect with the guys on your roster after you've been out chasing high school kids and portal kids for uh, a couple of months. What's this? What's how does the rest of the schedule this spring look uh, set up for you guys? Yeah. Uh, so this this week, uh, definitely able to get back around the guys, which is always fun. And then uh, from there, you know, February being a dead period, we'll get back into the office like every uh, 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 school, uh, you know, at this level, they'll uh, kind of get together and self-scout, uh, uh, you know, what we did. Uh, this is kind of our time to do that, you know, uh, self-scout and, and uh, you know, trying to definitely get better, get out to clinics and do things where we can grow as coaches. Uh, and then obviously run the uh, off-season program with our guys, uh, you know, and uh, be able to 
start doing what the NCAA allows us to do uh, football-wise, uh, leading into spring ball, which will begin in March. So, you know, it'll be a busy time of year, too. You know, we, you know we're really building your roster, just like y'all do uh, for the upcoming season. Uh, so that's, that's always exciting. Yeah, and and uh, so we just kind of, you know, it's 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 hard to to imagine for you guys because you just go from one busy season right into the next thing. You know, there's just uh, hardly a time for you guys to really catch your breath. I know uh, I hear from talking with college coaches. There's like a week or maybe two weeks in June that everybody and 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 all coaches and their significant others have circled on their calendar is like that time when you go on vacation. So um, I know that probably seems like a long way off now, but I guess. It'll be here before you know it. So uh, you're in uh, at, at Old Dominion, as we've already mentioned, uh, D-line coach there, there up in, in Norfolk, Virginia. Uh, but you are a, a Texas native, uh, specifically Pflugerville, specifically Pflugerville Hendrickson High School. Shout out to Coach Peter Noonan, who also listens to the podcast and uh, does a lot of stuff for the defensive line community. Um, so just fill in the gaps. How did you go from Pflugerville, Texas, now you're to where you are, where you're sitting today there at Old Dominion. Absolutely. Yeah. So I was born and raised, yeah, born in Austin, raised in Pflugerville. Uh, my parents are actually born and raised in Nigeria. So I'm, I'm Nigerian, first generation here in America. Uh, my parents had me and my two brothers in Austin and uh, moved us to Pflugerville. Uh, I did not start playing uh, football until the sixth grade uh, there in Pflugerville. But once I started playing, uh, luckily, I was able to get around some good guys, uh, good coaches that were mentors to me and guided me and, and kind of showed me a roadmap to, to uh, improve and improve quickly. Uh, going into high school there in Pflugerville, like you said, I went to high school with uh, Hendrickson uh, and really wasn't much of a player, uh, you know, when I began my high school career. But, uh, you know, I had uh, Coach Killian there, Chip Killian who is uh, no longer the head coach there, but he was the guy that uh, I played for. And uh, he he had a huge impact on me as a player and a person, uh, just kind of showing me how to, uh, you know, really just everything that it took to, to, to be a good football player uh, at the high school level. Uh, so I, I followed his lead and worked hard and, and uh, was able to, uh, you know, get better and better every year. And uh, from there, uh, I had some scholarship opportunities, which was great. Um, uh, wound up to Oklahoma State uh, University. Uh, it was, uh, at the time, my biggest offer. Uh, and uh, also an, an opportunity to play in the Big 12 and, uh, you know, play against schools back in Texas. Uh, so that was always a cool thing. Uh, you know, when I went to Oklahoma State, like I said, it was really more so because, uh, you know, obviously the, the winning tradition and things like that. But like I said, it was uh, kind of the biggest opportunity I had. And I always felt like, you know, once I started playing, that I was able to play at that level. Uh, but when I got there, luckily, uh, I was uh, able to join a, a winning tradition. I think they're up to 16 or 17 straight bowl games. And even though my career did not go the way I thought it would on the field, I was able to be around a lot of outstanding people, which I'll never forget and I'll always be thankful for, uh, you know, from Coach Gundy uh, to my defensive line coach, Coach Clements, 
to everybody in that building, our head strength conditioning coach, uh, Rob Glass. I mean, it was just a really good opportunity for me to kind of see what it took to be successful at the college level. And uh, that's something I really took from, from that experience. I had injuries, uh, you know, that forced me to retire. So, you know, luckily for me, <laughs> when I retired, I was uh, uh, already knew kind of what I wanted to do. You know, I went into college saying, you know, I wanted to play in the NFL like most, uh, you know, young men. And uh, if that didn't work out, I was going to either uh, teach and coach high school football or take a shot and coach uh, college football. And I just had a passion for the game that kind of revolved around how I started relatively late and was able to make something of it and just the impact I knew fo uh, football could have on the on the life of a young man and the direction uh, it can give them and, and help them develop and the opportunities and doors it can open because it opened a ton of doors for me. Uh, like I said, my parents came over from Nigeria, so they didn't know anything about football and just, you know, by mere circumstance of, of me playing, then I was able to get my college uh, paid for and, and, and be in the position I am today. So uh, <clears throat> when I retired from Oklahoma State, I was able to uh, be a student assistant right there and then. Uh, I just went ahead and took a chance on that. I said, well, you know, it's my last year of college. Let me go ahead and be a student assistant and uh, kind of see what I can learn being at this, you know, quote unquote, you know, power five program. And uh, it was good. It was good for me because it was I was able to learn kind of what it took uh, to be successful as really starting out as a graduate assistant. And I was able to watch those GAs and what they had to do from drawing cars to run the scout team and whatever, everything else in between. I was able to uh, see what it took to be successful doing that. And uh, after that bowl game that year, uh, I got a job as the <clears throat> defensive line GA at uh, Eastern Illinois University. So I packed my stuff up in uh, January, uh, was that January of 2017, and uh, it, it drove off to uh, uh, Eastern Illinois, Charleston, Illinois. And, uh, you know, never been there before or anything like that. Didn't know what I was getting myself into. Quickly learned that EIU uh, was a place that had a lot of football tradition. Tony Romo, Jimmy Garoppolo, Sean Payton, and uh, a lot of really good coaches had come through there uh, at some point in their careers. And, uh, uh, you know, I was fortunate to be there. And when I got there, uh, there was a guy that had just left, Marcus Covington, uh, was the defensive line coach. He had just left uh, and uh, was on his way to actually becoming the D-line coach uh, for the Patriots is what he's doing now. But at the time, he had just left EIU and uh, was going to Chattanooga. So I got there, and I was the only guy there. <laughs> As a GA, there's no DRI coach, so I had to kind of take the whole group by uh, and, and uh, rein them all in. And uh, then we hired a defensive line coach named Quan Drake, who had been at Tulane for a while, was leaving Memphis to come and be the D-line coach. And it was I was fortunate to meet him. Uh, he was He's a Pete Jenkins guy. And before that, I had not uh, had a lot of in introduction to Pete Jenkins' teachings. Uh, but it kind of flipped me, flipped my world upside down on, on defensive line play. And uh, it was uh, definitely something that 
uh, one one of the biggest influences on my defensive line coaching career because I dove all into it and was able to learn a lot of things that uh, you know I still use today uh, and, and kind of jump started my career uh, basically going out to you know a place I had never been before and taking a chance on that first job. You know, you mentioned Pete Jenkins. I, I know I've talked about this on this podcast before, but that's kind of how I, you know, how I got my start too was watching those old grainy uh, LSU Pete Jenkins tapes. Um, I, I, so when I was just starting out coaching, I was uh, in uh, Oxford, Mississippi at a high school there, but I had some friends uh, or some guys who who I would work camps with at the at, at Ole Miss, and so. I'd go up there and, and try to just hang around when I could. And they were always watching these old Pete Jenkins tapes. And so we, they would watch them and go, you know, back and forth, rewind them back. And, and so that's when I really first picked up on, on that stuff. So I'm just curious. I know what it was for me, but for you, like, what do you remember? Like what was so uh, groundbreaking for that stuff? Because you, again, there's nothing like fancy or flashy about it, because I think that's what you see a lot of today is these, you know, flashy, uh, kind of clickbait type of drills or, or schemes or whatever that these guys are doing, but that's just it's just um, tried and true defensive line play. So, what do you remember sticking out about that, and and what what made you kind of gravitate towards that? I think just the uh, definitely just the teaching progression of it, starting really with your eyes. You know, you, you know, Pete Jenkins always talks about keeping the tip of the pad. Uh, you know, and they can really only go, you know, do one of really three things: block come to you, and go away, or or it's pass, you know, and I think just starting right there, okay, well, okay, now I know where my eyes are, all right? Now, okay, if I'm playing attack, react, I can attack the blocker and react to the angle of departure. Is the block coming to me? Is the block going away from me? Is it pass, all right? And then just the progression of how you deliver a blow, hips, hands, and feet, just all those things make so much uh, sense to me. And then your feet in-fly adjusting to the angle of departure of the blocker. So. All these things, when I first heard them, I was like, okay, all this just makes a ton of sense. It's easy to follow. Uh, it's it's a it's a physical brand of football, which we all want to play. And it's, uh, you know, it it just made sense. Even the hand placement, uh, where to shoot your hands, things that, you know, maybe before you hear some of this stuff, you may not uh, coach as much, you may not talk about as much. But then when you start talking about it, it makes sense. Talk about your primary gap, your secondary gap, and being able to play a gap and a half, which really helps with D linemen, you know, getting on more plays, you know, just so just from top to bottom, uh, his teachings kind of just made a lot of sense for me. Almost as soon as I heard him, I was like, well, shit, you know, it's like this makes a lot of sense. So yeah, you know, yeah. Let's let's dive on into it. And uh yeah. it wound up being something that uh, like I said, I've taken all the way up to where I'm at right now. So yeah, I think it kind of like what you talked about. I think what stuck out to me was at, up to that point. I remember when I watched that, I was just kind of coaching defensive line. Like I had no progression. I'm just sort of running drills that I ran when that that I did in, in college. You know that my coaches ran with me, and there was really no rhyme or reason. Just like let's just try this because I saw it, or this is what I've been taught. And so for me, it was like okay, here's how you start from the ground up. Like you said, the eyes what we're keying all the way through. And so it gave me that progression that's easily, you know, you can, you can, uh, when you, and I've, I've said this a thousand times on this podcast, so when you have that progression, then there's a breakdown somewhere. And now you know where to go back and fix it. When you're just doing stuff just to do it and something breaks down, you have no idea where the breakdown was because you have no progression. So for me, that that's where, where the light bulb came on was, 
I had no coaching progression or rhyme or reason for doing what I was doing. And that's what that gave me. So that was um, what I appreciate about it. It sounded like that was kind of what you got out of it too. So I'm sorry I interrupted. Uh, so cut your teeth there, Eastern Illinois. And and so from there, where'd we go? Then I went to uh, uh, Texas State University. Same thing, I was a graduate assistant. I was able to work under Coach uh, Isaac Moore. It was good, a really good experience. So I was just south of where I grew up. You know, it's, it's unique. A lot of my high school buddies went to school there in San Marcos. So I kind of got there when everybody was gone, but it was still good to be there, be a little bit closer to home and things like that, and learned a lot, you know, and uh, continued to grow. Had no intentions of leaving. Texas State, but was able to uh, was offered the opportunity to interview for a uh, defensive line G, uh, GA position at uh, at Ole Miss. So I know you said you lived in Oxford, so did I. It was uh, a good opportunity. I went there, didn't really expect to get the job, but uh, I, I interviewed with uh, Freddie Roach, D-line coach of Alabama now, Pete Jenkins guy, all those guys, Pete Jenkins guys. So I went in there, I was organized, you know, we kind of spoke the language and uh, we kind of hit it off. And sure enough, like I said, I'm not one SEC guy. I didn't really expect to get the job, but I, uh, they called me and, and they offered it to me and then I was off to Ole Miss. I uh, was able to coach in the SEC, a uh, great experience. Uh, just kind of see how, what that league is like, you know, what those guys look like, how they work, uh, you know, the recruiting aspect of it. Just really the whole nine uh, was really cool, uh, you know. And after that, was able to go back to Oklahoma State uh, and work behind the scenes, which is good. I was I was I was an analyst there. I was working in recruiting, helping my own mother, uh, helping with defensive line, doing things that I've always wanted to do as an alum was come back and grow right there where where I started. Fortunately, I did that for a couple of years and then was able to get the job here at Old Dominion uh, through mutual connections that I had made back as a player and uh, working through my coaching career. So, you know, just, I've just been fortunate just along every step of the way, uh, really starting with my first stop at Eastern Illinois, uh, just being around guys that have been willing to help me and, and grow and mentor and, and teach me kind of where uh, how to how to be better, not just as a coach, but as a teacher, the mentor, mentor of young uh, of young men. Yeah, and I forgot that we had that Oxford connection. So we're going to footnote that, and we'll come back and circle back around to that at the end of our conversation because we could uh, we could have a whole separate segment on talking about Oxford and and just the uh, the ins and outs of of everything that that goes on there. But um, let, let me ask you this. So, you, you, know, you just went through that and um, it's 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 obvious to see, you know, that that you've kind of had this this stair step progression. Right. Like you go from here and then that leads to a, another opportunity. That's a that's a little bit better. That leads to another opportunity. that's a little bit better. So you're climbing the ladder, so to speak. What would you say to guys who are maybe younger guys who are looking to take that next step, whether a high school coach, whether a college coach or a middle school coach, whatever? Like, what's the key to getting recognized, getting some recognition. You mentioned when you went to Ole Miss, you were organized, you spoke the language. What, what would you say are some keys to moving on and getting that next job and, and progressing through the coaching profession like you have up to this point? I would say definitely serving, you know, just serve as well as you can, work as hard as you can. You know, if you're in a 
graduate assistant role or analyst role. I mean, do the absolute best job that you can to help uh, whoever you're directly reporting to. And, uh, you know, it'll always, it'll always, it'll always pay itself forward uh, and do it, you know, with the smile, do it uh, with the intent to help and, and not really care who gets the credit, I think is a big thing. Not really care who gets the credit because hard work never goes unnoticed. I mean, we're in a profession where, you know, coaches, you're literally evaluating people all the time. You know, you're, evi you're evaluating people all the time. So, you know, every day, you know, people say all the time, you're interviewing every day. It's true. You know, guys that, you know, come in and work hard and uh, and, and care about the team and want to be a part of a staff, uh, I think, you know, it, it always goes noticed. And then as you're doing that, you know, learn as much as you can. You know, have a goal to learn something every day. Uh, I think sometimes in, in those roles you can get to where maybe you feel like I'm ready or whatever the case may be, but you never stop learning. Uh, and I think that's a big thing with coaches in general. And, uh, you know, the more the more you can learn, the better. And uh, also just prepare also to be a leader of men. You know, be a leader because you go from being in that role where you're just serving one person or you're serving uh, maybe the coordinator and the head coach. You go to where you're serving a room full. You know how many ever guys a good room full of 15 defensive linemen. And now you now you have to have those leadership skills as well. You know how you're gonna get these guys to buy into what you're doing, what the head coach's vision is, what the coordinator's vision is. And, and play hard week in and week out, you know. I think some of those leadership skills are also something that the more you have going into it, the better you're going to be uh, as a coach. So, I love your answer there when, when I asked, you know, I asked that question, you, the first thing you said was serve. And, um, you know, I, I think that that's probably counterintuitive to what a lot of people Think. I mean, I think that that that's that's one of those things that would go on. That sounds really good on a resume, but do a lot of guys actually do that? You know, I think a lot of people. And I'm look. I've been guilty of this. Probably everybody listening to this podcast has been guilty of this at some point. Where, you know, you want to go and get yours, and 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 go and 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 you, you're trying to find that next gig, or trying to look over the fence at the at the other side. You know, grass always greener type of deal. Um, instead of serving where you're at and and, and taking care of where you're at and doing a really good job there. And that other stuff will take care of itself. Um, I think that's just such great advice, especially for, well, for young and old coaches alike. So um, I, I think that part's awesome. So I do want to jump in now to, and talk about your guys team there uh, at old dominion. I'll share this with these guys, you know, kind of in getting ready for our conversation. I was, uh, I got on YouTube and I was trying to look up some of your games from seasons past and, and was looking at this last year's game against Virginia and just kind of watching through, you know, halfway, you know, at, while I'm doing stuff at my house. And um, I text you said, hey, so you guys are odd front. Well, it looks like some simulated pressures, creepers type deal going on. You got a lot of twist game. And and uh, you said, well, no, actually, we're actually based out of 425. And I was like, oh, OK, well, sorry. Let me go back and look a little bit more. And <laughs> and so that kind of led to some other stuff. And, and then me go back and looking. So let's let's start there. And just if when I say, OK, coach, um, you know, we got spring ball coming up. What are we installing for? Our what, what's what's the the base defense, and then we can kind of talk about how you get into some other looks later. But let's just start talking with your about your base stuff first. Yeah. So here we uh, we definitely uh, base 
of, uh, you know, 425, like a lot of teams do. And then, uh, you know, the biggest thing up front for me is making sure guys know uh, the alignments, you know, day one. Uh, definitely, you know, you, you can't take that for granted when you're teaching these young men. Because, you know, whenever you want to start getting in different fronts or anything like that, you know, guy got to know, hey, you know, this front you're playing a four eye. Yeah, because what's a four eye? Or, you know, hey, right here you're going to be a, you know, two eye. Or if we call it, you know, sometimes we'll call it a G. Uh, you know, hey, you're a G here, you're a zero here. Like just across the board, those guys knowing, hey, what, you know, which what what are the alignments and where are we calling each alignment? So you know, regardless of position, you know, if we're in this front and we tell you this is where you're lining up, uh, you can get it lined up quickly or you can move to it, whether it be pre-snap or post-snap. Uh, I think it's, it's the biggest thing uh, when starting out is just making sure guys have a basic understanding of, hey, where am I getting the line and, 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 what, and what fronts are, uh, do I get lined in those, in those specific alignments? Yeah, I think that's a that's a, a great point. And again, one that's probably often overlooked is going through and teaching those those um, those alignments for something that you may not necessarily jump into a lot, right? Um, because it's it's much easier to do that in the spring or in fall camp than when hey guys, all right, all of a sudden we're gonna be playing two four eyes this week, or we've been playing fives, and and oh wait, you don't know what a four eye is, you know, or we've never talked about that or, or played, you know, practiced that or gotten into it, so. Um, I think that's a really good practice to to go ahead and teach those guys everything that way of down the road. That is something you want to get into. So you talked about alignment. So then um, I'm assuming like like most people you have, you know, you have a strong side defensive end that travels with the three tech uh, and, a, and a rush end. Or are those guys playing playing sides or how do you guys do that with your end guys? And then how do you how do you play your interior guys? Uh well for us uh we definitely have uh yeah we have we have a defensive end body type we have uh defensive tackle body types and we have a a, a rush body type kind of like you're describing so yeah we definitely have all those body types uh up front and then uh you know how we deploy them uh kind of really just depends on the week <laughs> yeah I got you there and and so I guess when so when you're coaching again, let's let's say it's it's spring ball, and and this is day one install, okay? And uh, you got your guys, and you got some new guys, obviously that that have coming in, get come in mid year. So what are we doing like to start off? What's that look like in your individual? That you know, I guess what I'm saying is walk us through that uh, that that coaching progression for your guys. Yeah, for us, I definitely start with teaching the concepts. So you know, are we static or are we moving? If we're static, typically, you know, you're, we're, we're playing the tack react, uh, and they and the kids know how to play attack react. Key the tip of the path, hips, hands, and feet, and fly adjust, block and go through three ways. It can come to me, it can go away, or it's pass. So, you know, if we're just playing a static technique for the most part in any of our shades, all right, hey, you're attack react, I know what to do. I know how to play a three, I know how to play a five, I know how to play a nine. Uh, if we're moving, then what is that movement? You know, I like to teach that conceptually. Uh, say it's a one-gap movement inside. You know, call it whatever you want. Call it a spike. All right, hey, this is a spike. That's what a spike is, is a one-gap movement inside. So no matter where I'm aligned or what the front is, on this call, I have a spike. So I teach that, hey, this is a spike. Okay, say we're going, it's a one-gap movement outside. We can call it whatever. We can call it a loop. 
All right, hey, this is what a loop is. So day one, I know what a spike is. I know what a loop is. All right, so then whenever we get to the actual play calls, all right, on the on the uh, diagrams, we can say, hey, you're spiking here, you're looping here, you're playing, you know, whatever. You're playing a five technique here, and the kids know, hey, I'm I'm in, I'm in, I'm in stunt mode or I'm in attack react mode or what am I doing based on the call. And then and they have the concepts, and once we teach the concepts, then teaching the plays is easy. But the, the biggest thing is the guys know where where what the language that we're speaking, what do we call things, and how do we group things based on the concepts that we're teaching. Okay, so let's let's just start right there. And um, again, this is super basic, but talk about how your coaching stance, and then with those movements, okay. Um, this can be kind of a uh, we're kind of getting into some hot button uh, issue D line <laughs> issues right here with how are you coaching those spikes with uh, with your technique? Are you keeping your shoulders square? Are they turning? Are they turning their shoulders? Are they keying the hip of the next man over? Taking a forty five degree angle step? Like what are we doing there with the, with the spike technique? Yeah, so say we're running a spike. Uh, biggest thing that we teach our guys, you know. Uh, if we're, we're going to start with stance, we'll start with stance here. So for the most part, you know, if I'm in just the base stance, I'm, I'm playing attack react, all right? So I'm going to have my feet shoulder width, all right? And from our stance, we're going to say it's 60-40, all right? We want our weight slightly forward, okay? Uh, you know, I have my off hands dangling, uh, kind of tickling the grass, or, you know, four-point stance for the most part. And anytime we're talking about that we're going to go ahead and move, all right? I tell you guys to, to narrow your base. All right, narrow your base some and mental, mentally shift your weight to the opposite foot. That's your push foot. Okay, so we're still keying that near shoulder, tip of the pad of the guy we're lined up on. And as soon as it twitches, all right, we're pushing off that push foot and transferring our eyes to that adjacent offensive lineman in the direction that we're going. Okay, so what I teach is for our guys, if the block is going away from me, all right, we have to win that gap. All right, so we have to win that gap, however you need to do that. All right, uh, you know, we for us, we work, we try to club across or rip through the gap and get vertical if that block's going away from me. If the block is coming to me, all right, then we're going to use our hands, all right, to ricochet, all right, and redirecting our gap so we don't get over zone. So that's, those are kind of the two ways that we, that, we, that we do that right there. But the biggest thing is anytime we're moving, you want to narrow your base, mentally shift your weight to the opposite foot and, and work that push foot, all right, off the tip of the pad of the guy you lined up on. Yeah, I'm sorry. I was in my midst of typing there. I might have missed this. So um, do, do you have a stagger with your feet? Are, you, are they even? Yes, 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 yes. We play with the stagger. Uh, you know, I say no more than toe-to-heel stagger. Uh, everybody's built different. You know, you kind of hear it. It's not really a cookie-cutter stance, but we definitely – uh, have a stagger uh, in our stance. And, and what we do is we're man hand down. So, you know, I tell my guys, you're always going to have to be man hand down, uh, stagger, nerve your base anytime you're uh, stunting, uh, mentally shift your weight to the push foot. So that's how we'll do that. So when you're doing a loop then, okay, are they are they going to even up that stagger a little bit so that they can step with their outside foot? Yeah, absolutely. So now if we're looping and we're going outside, now you want to even up your stagger some to go, just like you're saying, it's hard to step with that up foot 
and gain any ground. So you want to even up your stance. But once again, biggest thing is narrowing that base, all right, and mentally shifting your weight to the opposite foot so you can gain ground to where you're going. So we're, you're teaching, um, you know, kind of like you said, concepts, like kind of sort of, you know, here's what we're doing when we're static. Here's what we're doing when we're moving. Um, what, I guess, if you were to, I don't know, put a, a number on it or, or ballpark it, like the, the, the ratio of staying static versus, versus moving, is that like, is that a week to week deal or is that you're doing both every week or is that dependent upon game plan? How does, how do you decide what you're going to be doing that week? I think, I think you try to be as close to 50 50 as you can. Um, just to, you know, keep offenses off, off balance. Um, and I think just as a, as a philosophy, that's what you try to do. Uh, that way, you know, they got to respect it. You know, they got to they gotta respect that this guy may go inside or, hey, he may, you know, or he may not. So I think keep it, trying to keep it as close to 50-50 as you can uh, makes the old line respect it so they don't start, you know, scheming you up too much on thinking, hey, this guy's always going to be here or, you know, this or that. So with your with those movements, do you have those things grouped into families? Like, like, how do you, how do you have those named? How do you have those grouped? You know, is it, is it like a, do you call it a knack or a, an ax or a tex or, you know, everybody kind of has their own little, little language for it. We have uh, our own, I guess, vernacular for it. How do you guys classify and name those things so that you guys remember what they are? Absolutely. We, we do, we do the, uh, the same thing and we kind of, they all kind of start with the same letter. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna uh, be able to kind of get to that right now, but, uh, but, but yeah, they're they are all grouped, kind of like you're saying, to where they remember them, uh, and so and and they they translate across calls, uh, so it's, it's it's very simple for the guys. Because the biggest thing is that the guys are playing fast. You know, however we can, whatever we can do to make it simpler for our guys. You know, we we that we set out to do. So we get together and like we're about to here in the next couple of weeks uh, to get together and, and and go over really from head to toe our defense and make sure that, you know, what we're saying is the simplest way for our guys so they can play fast. And just like you're kind of getting that uh, when the, if a guy's in there day one, how long does it take him to be able to go out there and execute the defense? You know, we want we want him to be able to go out there and be able to function really, you know, within the first day or two of practice, you know, be able to, it shouldn't be so hard where he can't go out there and function. So, yeah, we, we definitely do that. We group them all together uh, and have our own kind of vernacular uh, of saying uh, whatever movements that we're, we're trying to get across to the guys. Yeah. I forgot to uh, go over with you before we hit record the, um, this, the, the, podcast uh safe word for if i'm getting if i'm getting too close to something that's sensitive information that that would get you in trouble with your defensive coordinator so you can just hit me up with hit me the uh with the peyton man hey omaha omaha and i'll i'll, I'll uh i'll divert my question and 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 yeah. get back into shallower waters there where it's a little bit safer um yeah. but uh yeah so all right so and again if if we if we need to hit omaha this that's fine too but i'm just curious like how do you guys call your defense as far as like, is it signals? Like, are you signaling the front? Is it wristband? Everybody's, everybody's looking at the same wristband. I'm, I've always been curious about that because different people swear by different methods. And um, so how do you guys just get the call in from the sideline to the, 
to the playoffs. Yeah, the Omaha, that one. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Omaha. Omaha. Okay. Well, I'll say, and, and, and again, you don't have to comment on this one. Sure. Um, we do the wristband deal, and, <laughs> and um, you know, we, we give the call, and, and then everything's spelled out for them. So this, there's, a, there's a reason why I'm getting to this question. So everything's spelled out for them, so it takes the thinking out of it, okay? Um, but uh, my whole point being is that it, whatever your method is, I think it's obviously super important to be consistent in that and, and, and build your, your movements and your stunts whether it be, you know, I've been to places where it was an animal, you know, or it was uh, some type of, of color or state or something. Absolutely. It was just a standard. This is a knack. This is an axe. This is a text. This is an X, whatever. Yes. Um, so that those guys can, can, all right, boom, I know what I'm doing here and I can play fast because um, obviously if those guys are thinking about what am I doing here in the ball snap, then, then it's not going to be effective. So that's that I'm not trying to get you in trouble. That's sort of kind of where I was trying to get to that. Um, it's super important when you have those to obviously have them classified in an organized way so that your guys can, uh, can, can execute those. Okay. Absolutely. Well, uh, let's see if we can um, move on here and, and, and maybe uh, not get you in trouble. Um, so, all right. Um, we talked about this. Um, well, I'll just tell you that let's let's we 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 started talking about just you know some things that you're doing with your guys, teaching concepts, static. Are we are we are we uh, static or are we moving? Um, talk about some of your favorite drills um, and that that you like to do that that are sort of your go tos. Um, you know, whether it be in the spring, whether it be in the fall, whether it be in a game week. Yeah, definitely. Uh, for, uh, you know, big thing for us. Uh, I definitely I don't meet with the guys too long. Like we'll 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 go out. We'll meet uh, maybe thirty minutes. I, I give them time to go down and get changed. We're out on the practice field. We try to be out on the practice field ten to fifteen minutes early. Uh, you know, I, I'm big believer in pre-practice drills. We work our hand placement pre-practice. We work the stab and grab drill. It's a big drill. We we work start off practice. Uh, where you just kind of working on those aiming points for us in the shaded alignment. We'll go sternum and armpit for head up. Uh, we'll go pit to pit. And then if we're uh, uh, shaded, obviously on their side, same thing. And then uh, the other thing we'll work in pre-practice is just gap responsibility. You know, when we start talking about primary, secondary gap and working releases. Uh, I think that's a huge, huge thing to work. Uh, just so we're getting those fundamentals in every single day. Uh, then once practice actually starts, you know, and I'm kind of kind of talking about some run drills here. We definitely get on the sled quite a bit. You know, a lot of D-line coaches will get on the sled, but, well, you know, we're working our six-point explosion. Uh, we'll work three-point layouts, isolating the hips and the hands. Uh, then we'll work a three-point drive. And the biggest thing, too, we'll work a three-point drive. We're working on a sled that, uh, you know, eagle sled, you know, doesn't move, but – we also work it on sleds that we can drive and actually gain ground. I think that's a big thing when you're trying to generate knockback is your guys <clears throat> getting the feeling of actually knocking the guy back. So, you know, when you're working on it, you know, get a heavier sled and, and get out get out there in the field. We, you know, a lot of times we'll go from underneath the chute. You know, I'm a big believer in the chute as well. And, and make sure the guys are getting the feel for uh, knocking the guy back and actually driving his sled. I think is a big thing that helps with that. So that's kind of our progression, our uh, knockback progression right there that we'll go uh, with quite a bit. So 
Those are the few of the drills I feel like we do quite a bit. From there, do you guys do, you know, <clears throat> we go into like inside drill with the offensive line. Um, you know, what, uh, how, how do you, how do you do your group stuff or you, do you do more team or how, how does that work? Absolutely. So we'll, you know, even for, obviously before we get there, we'll, we'll, we'll uh, as a defensive line, it depends on the time of year in spring, we kind of work against each other. And in the fall, we were able to get our, uh, you know, our scout team guys down there to work against kind of the travel guys. Uh, but in the spring, we'll work against each other. And, you know, we're working block rec. You know, we'll, we'll work block rec until the cows come on. Uh, because, you know, that's to me as a defensive lineman, you know, you can hit as many stationary sleds as you want. But at the end of the day, those guys are moving. So <laughs> when, we, when we work that block rec, you know, it was a great time. Uh, to to see the deficiencies, you know, see where guys are weak and get fixed right there in Indy. And then before we move on to that group stuff, uh, kind of like you're talking about, you know, with the O-line, depends on the day. Sometimes we'll go pods. Sometimes we'll go inside. You know, I'm all for either. Or. You know, I love inside. I love pod drill. You know, I just love anything where it forces guys to be tough. You know, it forces guys to, you know, put their hands on people. And, uh, and and fight, you know, at the end of the day. And I think that's something that's huge with defensive linemen. Really football players in general nowadays is can't assume that these guys are, are, uh, like the noise. You know, you, you know, obviously we're able to recruit guys, and that's kind of where I start with recruiting is being able to get a guy that, that I feel like wants to play physical. But at the same time, in practice, we're developing that. You know, you can't do some of the drills that uh, – that used to do back in the day for good reason, but at the same time, you gotta find ways to develop that physical and mental toughness in guys in practice. So I think pause is a great way, inside is a great way, and we'll do both here. We kind of rotate and do both. I'm gonna say something that probably I'm I'm gonna speak for probably every D line and and you and you are a player and, and me when I was doing it, but block recognition sucks. It sucks. <laughs> yeah. It no sucks. Doubt. Pods, pods, <laughs> pods suck. Pods suck. I'd always get paired with a nose guard and, you know, <laughs> and I'm trying to like hold my gap and he and, and the backup nose guard are, are teeing off on me and they're getting hip to hip and um, I'm plowing the grass behind me. It sucks. Um, but, and I think that sometimes because of that, it's not fun. It's not flashy that a lot of coaches will kind of want to move along to something more, you know, let's go to the pop-ups. You know, everybody loves the, the the pop-ups or let's go to let's go run some hoops, baby. But you, you kind of already alluded to it. Like you have to do that. Like that's that's and I've said it again. I keep referencing things I've said on this podcast before. It's like it's like uh, you, you know, at dinner time with your kids, like you got to eat your freaking vegetables for you move on to dessert. That's that's how it that. works. That's right. And and uh, <laughs> and 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 it does suck like it sucks. But it's 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 totally necessary and imperative. And. But then once the kids start seeing that stuff showing up in the game, obviously then it's a little bit easier for them to buy into it. Um, so if I was standing right there next to you in practice while you're coaching up block recognition, you know, besides yelling something crazy like, I don't know, keep your pads down, what would be some things that I would be hearing you say to your guys like as you're correcting them? You mentioned a couple things there that they might screw up or they might struggle with, but what would be some things you would be fixing and correcting while you're watching that? Uh, I think the biggest thing, you know, starting with eyes, uh, you know, if, if a guy isn't in fly adjusting or if he's missing with his hands or if he's missing with, you know, whatever, whatever the case may be, I start with the eyes, you know, I say, hey, eyes on tip of your pad, eyes on tip of your pad, eyes on tip of your pad, 
All right, so okay, now hips hips first, you know, come out your hips, come out your hips, come out your hips, you know, all right, shoot your hands tight, you know, tight hands, tight hands, tight hands, all right, and then feet, 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 you know, get those feet going, no feet equals defeat, you know, get those feet going, lock out, extend, okay, you know, we, you know, when we play with knockback, we want to play with extension, get those blockers off our bodies, so those, are, those are some things, eyes, you know, hips first, feet, uh, tight hands and uh, lockout. You know, those are all the things that you know I'm constantly saying and making sure the guys are are, are aware of. So, yeah, I, I um, you know, it's one of those things too, where most of the issues uh, in that drill and that stuff, it all boils down to the same stuff. And you mentioned it. You know, eyes, hands, feet. It's one of those issues, right? Um, and, and the cool thing about pods and doing that kind of stuff is the ball's taken out of the equation. So most of the time they're not trying to stand up and peek and look behind the offensive lineman to find the ball, which is why, again, that drill's super valuable because, um, you know, because of that reason. I think a lot of issues too you see from that is the guys want to try to anticipate a block. Absolutely. You know, like they're trying to outsmart you standing back behind them <laughs> and wanting to look like a scout team All-American. Like, okay, I've got a reach block and i got a down block. Here comes a base block, baby. Yeah. And, 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 then they, and then they guess and they end up getting beat. So um, I think that's just one of those things. It's also a fine line, too, because that drill is is. I don't want to say it's not set up for success, but that's it's it's kind of hard to be successful in that drill. A, a lot of the times just because the offensive line, like they're not the guys, the scout guys, they're not necessarily trying to run a play, you know? Yeah. And absolutely. and so. They're really just kind of their teeing off on it. So it's 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 harder, I think, on the defensive line. I mean, if, if you can be pretty solid at that drill, then I, I think it, it it helps you be even better in, in a game. And people might disagree with that. But all that to say, um, I think it's a fine line of of beating kids down in that drill and making them just feel totally like, man, I suck. And, and but also not doing it at all. Like you, you know, there's there's a there's a fine line there with that drill. Okay, well, let's move on because, guys, this is what this is what moves the, the needle. Guys want to talk about pass rush, so um, let's let's we, we've we've done our block destruction, we've done our pods, we're, we're we're we feel good about that. So we're gonna move on to pass rush. Everybody has their own way of of coaching pass rush. Um, so, Coach Vic, so how how do how do you go about skinning that cat with your guys? Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, like just like you said, everybody has their own way of coaching pass rush. I think the biggest thing, or one of the biggest things, kind of going back to what we we're just talking about, is we teach you know teach the guys stop the run. You know, stop the run or underwrite the rush the passer. And uh, yeah, I know nowadays everybody's throwing on first down, and there's more throws than ever. But you know, some of that's a, an illusion. And at the end of the day, you know, if you can't stop the run, then then they'll they'll keep doing it. So um, you know that's kind of where we start. Uh, and then with pass rush, you know if you want to start with the edge guys. Uh, you know for our stance, you know so you know wait forward. It's gonna be a little. It's gonna be more forward than normal attack react mode. Uh, you talk about uh, eighty, almost eighty percent forward if you if you're splitting it eighty twenty. All right, our weight's gonna be loaded on our hand, our down hand or hands if you're in the four point stance and front foot. Uh, I, I go toe to heel stagger. Uh, you don't, you know, sometimes, you know, you used to hear elongate your stance, but you don't want that. You really want to be able to get as long of a stride as you can on that first step. So if your foot's further back and it's harder to get, 
that long stride. So, you know, we try to get the guys that about toe the heel stagger and narrow their base. Uh, that's kind of, that's our pass rush stance. Really want to look like a sprinter coming out of the blocks. For our alignment, we're going to be uh, credit card alignment. All right, we're going to crowd the ball. Uh, you call it CCA, all right? For the edge guys, going to be about a yard outside. Uh, we could be on a tilt track, which is more of a power track where we're tilted, or we can be pointing straight up the field, which is more of a speed track. You know, it just depends on what that guy is thinking on that particular pass rush rep. All right, for our takeoff, we're going to drive off the front leg, roll off our down hand. So, you know, when we're taking off, we're driving, driving off that front leg, rolling off our down hand, and really throwing it back to try and get that violent hand split, just like I said, like you're coming out the dang blocks. At a minimum, we want our down, we want our feet through our our back foot to replace our down hand at a minimum. All right, that's telling me I'm gaining decent ground. All right, guys that can really take off, shoot that that dang back foot is gonna is gonna come out past that down hand. All right, so we, you know, at the very minimum in the pass rush situation, we want our back foot to replace our down hand. All right, that tells us we're gaining ground, taking long strides off the ball. All right. <clears throat> and then for us. You know, one rush, you know, you hear half a man, a third of a man. You know, I say the outside half of the number. All right. So we want to make sure we're rushing that on the edge. You know, we teach, hey, is, is, are his uh, shoulders horizontal or are they vertical? All right. So if his shoulders are horizontal, it's telling you you got to win on the edge. All right. If they start to turn and get vertical, all right, then we want, we want to go speed the power at that point. Uh, <clears throat> two basic moves that we'll teach. We'll start with chops to win on horizontal uh, rushes. Just working a, a, a nice, simple chop, dip, and rip, uh, and working around the edge. All right, the other thing we'll work off the chop, we'll work a chop and club to defeat the outside arm. You know, these are you know when the guy's horizontal and his pass set. All right, as soon as he starts to turn and get vertical, uh, we'll work a stab. All right, then you got a stab series off of that. All right, you can stab. And working and powering back to the quarterback, got to be ready to disengage off that. Or, you know, based on what he does, if he sinks it down, then now you can work a stab club or a stab forklift and grab the guy's arm and get him off you. Or, and then if he starts to, when you go to stab him, if he tries to run you by, and once I get to the level of the quarterback, I can snatch him and finish inside based on where you're at uh, in the quarterback cage for the edge guy. So, for my edge guys, that's kind of where I start is, all right, I'm getting in great stance. I'm taking off. I'm rushing. Half a man. Okay, now what's he doing? Is he horizontal? All right, boom. I'm going to work my chops. I'm going to work a chop club. I'm going to work a chop rip. All right. Now, if he starts to turn, now I want to work a stab and then just react off of that. If I can stab and power him back to the quarterback, great. Just be ready to disengage. And I block magnet. Be ready to disengage off that quarterback. All right, if he starts to sit down, all right, now I can go from power back to speed and work either a club or a forklift based on where his hand is on me. And then, okay, as I go to stab him, he starts to turn and run me by, I can go ahead and snatch back once I get to the level of the quarterback and finish right there on the quarterback. That's for the edge guys. And for the uh, interior guys, you know, that's always super tough um, because uh, those guys are rushing in a phone booth. They don't have the space. Um, and, and so their, their approach you know, has to be a little bit different. What, do you, what are some things you got for those guys? 
there's no doubt about it. And for the interior guys, I mean, it's a lot about uh, leverage. You know, you watch the NFL where they're kind of taking off all the time, and you start to think that these interior guys can work all these kind of edge moves, but really that's very rarely the case uh, in college and, you know, I assume high school as well. More more often than not, you know, the blocker, you know, whether it be a guard or a center, they're head up on them, you know, before they know it. So for us, you know, we work a lot on going two to one. So I'm going from two hands to one. So as I'm taking off and working just, you know, whatever it may be, it might be early down pass rush. All right. I got two hands on the guy. Now I'm working to one on his inside half of his body and trying to find that soft spot. And that just becomes your staff series. So as I'm working two to one, all right, I can get into that staff series. If I get that soft spot and then power him back, great. Take him back to the quarterback. And disengage from there. All right. If he wants to sit it down, I can work my club from there. All right. And what you've done is shorten the corner. All right. By working power and then going back to speed. Okay. And then if he just if you're able to keep taking them back, you can do the same thing and work the snatch inside. All right. Once you get to the level and depth of the quarterback. So being able to go two to one and find that soft spot on the inside half of that offensive lineman, all right, is, is a big deal. And if he sits it down, all right, well, now you've gotten him to stop his feet. All right, now I can go back and work the edge, and you and you shorten it, and you shorten the edge that way inside. And another thing inside, if you do get a good enough takeoff, is working the club rip. I believe in defeating the outside arm, and then being able to work a rip to power through and get that toe pointed back towards the quarterback and finish tight. You know, like you said, because at the end of the day, those interior guys uh, are responsible for the depth of the pocket. So any type of penetration you can get inside between the guard center guard is going to be helpful. So working the rip and finishing and getting through is, is, is big time for that, for those interior defensive linemen. Yeah, absolutely. And going back to what you, you mentioned this with the edge guys, I'm sure it's the same with the interior guys too. It's just getting your guys to understand what to, to be able to identify an offensive set, right. And what works against that set and what doesn't work. Right. Like, and, and, and how, my get off dictates what set they get into. You know what I'm saying? Like um, you, you're talking about, you know, horizontal vertical set. Like you get those guys where they're in a low vertical set. So I'm getting off the ball and that dude has to turn his shoulders to the sideline to try to catch up with me. And our, mm -hmm. our hips are even, and you know, the whole nursery rhyme, if we're even, we're leaving. Mm -hmm. You know, that's, that's all, that's the easiest pass rush in the world. Right. Um, but obviously it's not always that easy, but I think just starting with those types of things and be able to show them, um, you know, then that's a that's a real simple way uh, to help those guys kind of understand. And and I think that's one of those concepts, too, that they don't understand when they're when they're young. But as they you know, I'm talking from a high school coach perspective, but when they become upperclassmen, juniors and seniors, they really start to figure that stuff out and are able to take advantage of it. Um, just real quick on this, anything you're coaching up as far as just affecting the quarterback in other ways besides getting sacks, whether it's, you know, matching, matching, you know, his hand comes off, my hands go up. Um, or, you know, obviously, you know, what we would call a tomahawk, like I'm securing the sack and raking the ball out with a, with a tomahawk, like anything that you guys do work in that? Absolutely. And, you know, we kind of have a – what we say is kind of our progression here of what we want to do to the quarterback. Obviously, we want sack fumbles. All right, you know, yes, we want to get the sack. But just like you said, we want to rake the ball out. Ball disruption is key. Obviously, the issue is the ball. Uh, you know, we, what we want is the ball. So when we go, when we, when we have a drill, uh, we're always, we're constantly working on fishing on the quarterback or something. You got to drill. 
because you don't get it in practice as, as a defensive lineman. So you got to find a way to drill it. Hey, how do you finish on quarterbacks when guys get in the game? They're able to do that. So that's a big thing. All right. Another thing we want. So uh, besides that, when it comes to affecting the quarterback, obviously sack fumbles. Really for us, the next will be QB hits. You know, that's becoming a different deal nowadays. Uh, you really have to be in proximity to the quarterback and, uh, you know, really have to do a good job of uh, uh, of how you take them down uh, kind of within that strike zone. Uh, but that's our next progression. All right, so then after that, for us, affecting the quarterback will be getting our hands up. All right, you're not going to get there, get your hands up and throw in the lane. Obviously, you know, you hear about match the hand, and, and there's a lot of merit to it. Uh, for us, you know, we're just going to have our – Offhand, so whatever hand is, is first from the quarterback is the one we want to raise up. That way, we're able to still maintain leverage on the offensive lineman and not and not and not and not lose that. You know, in case the quarterback pulls it down. So we have the hand first from the quarterback is the one we raise up when he goes and throws it. Uh, so yes, matching the hands are a big deal as far as getting uh, PBUs. You know, pass breakups as defensive lineman, man, you're changing the game. If it's third down. And you can get a PBU. I mean, you're off the field, you know, a lot of the time. So that's that's huge. And then uh, after that, just getting the quarterback moved off his spot, you know, doing a great job of of rushing uh, as as a team. You know, four equals one. You know, if you got four pass rushers out there, you want to rush as one, and, and get just get just do a great job of getting the quarterback off his spot or making them throw on time, even. You know, so he's not back there just patting the ball. You know, it was a huge deal. Uh, and, and just like you're kind of talking about with guys when they're young, you know, they think, you know, it's just get off and, and get sacks all the time. Well, really the biggest thing is how many times can you affect the quarterback within the game? And guys, you know, that's why you see in the NFL and a lot of times now we're talking about the pressure ratings, you know, how, how often is guy getting pressured and guys are getting paid off of that sacks and how often they actually affect the quarterback uh, and, and getting guys to understand that you typically – Within the first couple of years, you know, by year three and four, uh, they kind of understand, hey, you know, just different ways to affect this quarterback. And I, as I'm rushing throughout the game, uh, I got to be con conscious of how can I affect the quarterback. It's not always going to be a sack. I got to do something. Let's get my hands up. Or if I do get there, how can I get the ball out? Things like that. You know, it's very important. Yeah, that was something for me as a, as a D-line coach starting out that I, I, I know I didn't coach enough. Uh, was just affecting the quarterback. It was all about sacks. Let's go get a sack. Well, crap. The the, the you know uh, a Pro Bowler you know defensive end is is you know with sixteen games are, are going to maybe have you know fifteen sacks. I don't know. I mean that's that's averaging one a game almost. I mean uh, and you know I'm talking a high school kid for him to have ten sacks in a in a season is really really good. So um, you know that's that's um, that's that's you know, you're, you're really limiting your opportunities there when you just focus on that. But to to affect the quarterback, you mentioned pass breakups. You know, I think to me, a, a defensive lineman knocking down a ball is is almost as demoralizing as a sack because, you know, the quarterback thinks he's got it. You know, he sees this guy, he lets it fly, and boom, we get a ball up there and knock it down. And it's like, well, okay. Get out no, the, yeah. bring the, trot the punt team out here. So <laughs> um, I think that that's got to be just as big of a deal as, you know, understanding where's that quarterback like to escape? Where do we want to try to get him to where he's scrambling, where he doesn't want want to escape? You know, whether if he's a right-handed quarterback to his left or he doesn't like stepping up, so let's try to make him step up with our end guys and 
maybe let our noses kind of settle a little bit to get them to do that. Anyway, just studying all that stuff is super important. Well, we're going to close out today. Um, now you're 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 not allowed to Omaha any of these questions, Coach. So sorry, you got to <laughs> just right. uh, you got to buckle down and answer them. Uh, no, but we'll I won't take it. Uh, I'll take it take it pretty easy on you so far, or, or so so. Um, you you know you shouldn't have any issues with with these questions. Couple food questions in there. I hope that's okay. Um, yeah. It wouldn't it wouldn't be a, a KYPD episode if we didn't ask some food questions. But you mentioned being a you know you're a GA. You know, and the saying is, uh, once a GA, always a GA. Drawing cards, things like that. What, what, what is or was your preferred method for drawing play cards? My preferred method is old school. Draw with uh, multiple markers on, on, uh, on, you know, on cardstock, whatever the case may be. I, I was definitely places where we drew them on Vizio. And, uh, uh, you know, it was, good. it was a good experience for sure. But uh, I definitely I, I like to use different uh, different colors for the blocking schemes, and then obviously what's going on in the backfield and the routes, and uh, uh, that's kind of how I learned it, and I think it works just fine. I think nowadays these guys are mostly doing it. A lot of these guys doing it on uh, on Vizio, or or even uh, you know sometimes you know with these iPads too, they have these apps like uh, there's one uh, called Notability. Where you can upload like a PDF of a card, and then you can just use the different uh, uh, markers on the uh, on the PDF and mark it up, and then print it out from there. I think yeah. I would I would have liked to use that back in the day. That would have been a, a good way for me to do it. Yeah, it's weird because <laughs> I think guys get set whatever at whatever point you come into coaching and how you start drawing cards. It's kind of like um, dads in their clothes they wear. Like dads get stuck in a generation. Like, you know, and that's that's the same generation of clothes they're going to wear for the rest of their lives. Like they dress like they're still 1983 or whatever. <laughs> and I like I think coaches get like that and how they're drawing cars. Like if you came up drawing them by hand, like that's what you're going to be doing until they kick you out of the office. Right. Like <laughs> no uh, for me, it was um, and this is it's on a computer, but it's still pretty archaic and it's it's Playmaker Pro. It's an old it's an old system, but I, I know I know how to do it. And. But I still, even though when I print it out, I'm still highlighting, you know, like different colors so they know who's pulling and 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 it still it still gets marked up um, because obviously sophomore scout team kids will still find a way to screw it up no matter how how uh, painstakingly you draw those lines. But anyway, okay. Uh, so next question here, um, we mentioned mentioned your your time at Oxford there. Uh, one of my favorite things about being in Oxford was the there, there's so many great places to eat. So what uh, what was your favorite place to go eat in Oxford? Man, I got it. You can say gotta, a few if you need to. You know what? Uh, Ajax Diner was one of my favorite. My we man. Me some Ajax. My man. Turkey and dressing? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I think I tried pretty much everything on the menu. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if I ever go back, I, I, uh, I can't wait to get there. I thought Abner's chicken was pretty Abner's good. Abner's is good. Yeah. yeah Abner's they, is good. That's a that's a Mississippi thing. Um, you know, for those who are, don't know, it's it's think think canes, but a lot better. They have they have really good grilled chicken strips. I don't know if you ever got those, but those were really good. Um, but yeah, Abner's for sure. My wife and I, cause she went to, she went to grad school in, in Oxford. So, nice. um, that's why we were there. So we always talk about going back and now we have kids. It's hard to just get over there. We've, we've planned it a couple of times. It's never worked out, but 
we really do just want to go back so we can hit up some spots to eat. But you ever go to um, Moe's Barbecue? I don't know if they had Moe's. But I've heard of that now, but I don't think that was there when we were there. Gotcha. Um, Pretty good. You ever go? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, you had what kind of a nicer like date night places like Bure was right there on the square. I mm-hmm. uh, had that big had the big balcony, you know, and all that. Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. That was uh, nice. Real nice restaurant. Yeah. So a lot of great places there. Um, okay. You, again, here's here's your next food question. So Texas native, you're in Virginia. What's the fast food restaurant? from Texas that you miss the most. And we can throw like, you know, obviously Whataburger, we could even throw Bucky's in there. Um, but you know, what, what restaurant do you miss the most from Texas being up there in Virginia? Uh, Whataburger is number one. Okay. All <laughs> There's right. no doubt about it. All right. I, I was, I was afraid we might have to revoke your uh, Texas card. If, if you said no anything otherwise, doubt. what was your, what's your go-to order at, at Whataburger? Yeah, I love being packed up with grilled jalapenos. There we go. There love we go. It. What about you? Yeah, yeah, I like the the the, jala- the cheeseburger with jalapenos on. It. It's really good. Yeah. Um, you know, um, man, I I mean that really anything. I I, I kind of like you said with with, with uh, Ajax. I've probably tried most things on the menu. Yeah. And 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 have haven't found anything I, I didn't like yet. So. All right, so now we've talked about food. So now let's let's shift gears, go to the other end of the spectrum, and talk about speed here. Never asked this question. Well, I don't know if I've asked this question on the podcast before, but we're going to ask it now. So, uh, are you good friends with your O line coach? He just got Kinda. a new one. He's pretty cool. Okay. Well, so if you and him <laughs> were to go out tomorrow and and run a forty, who's who's taking that that victory home? Who's who's winning? Oh, uh, there's you no and- doubt. I got one more. I got one more left in me. <laughs> Yeah, that's it. That's it. Hey, well, if that's if, if that actually if that actually happens, make sure you uh you post that and, and tag us in that. I think that would be that that might uh, take us to a that might get us like a blue check mark or something on Twitter with You're as many start views a new as that would get. Yeah, there we go. There we go. Yeah, yeah. Our um our O line coach is actually, and I'm not the D line coach anymore, so I could step out of this. But our, our O line coach is, you know, he's one of those guys that used to be really big played a line. And now he's like, like looks like Mr. Universe, but I don't think he's had a carb in like three years. So, you know, I feel like I could probably, you know, by, by about 20 yards in, he'd probably Peter out. So I could catch up and maybe pass him, but, um, okay. So, um, you've, you've, you've been to all these different places. Um, you, you've, you know, in, in some different States and different parts of the country. Um, you know, besides Texas, which is your home state, like if you could any of these places where like, man, I would just want to live here or, or maybe retire here. What's what's been one of the maybe most interesting places or maybe your favorite place to live uh, that you've been uh, since you've been coaching? Really where I'm at right now, Norfolk, Virginia. Uh, it's uh, about 20 minutes from Virginia Beach. You know, being from Texas, you know, you never get this close to the beach. You know, we're tw- I'm 20 minutes from the beach right right here. So, it, I mean, it's really cool. Uh, it's the largest naval base in the in the world. It's right here, uh, so it's very kind of transient area. There's a lot of people in and out. Very diverse, uh, extremely diverse city, which is awesome. Uh, you know, lots to do. I'm used to living kind of from my back my background. I'm used to living in college towns, so in this area they call it the seven five seven. There's seven cities: uh, Norfolk, Virginia Beach, Hampton, Newport News, uh, Chesapeake, Suffolk. 
and I'm leaving one off. New, yeah, I'm leaving one off. Hopefully they forgive me. But there's seven cities, uh, and uh, two million people make up this area. So I mean, it's it's the most. You know, outside living in like in Austin or or kind of when I was in San Marcos, this is the most people I've been around. And kind of the most things that I've had to do. Uh, kind of, uh, you know, in a very rare instance where you get the free time as a coach, you know, you, where you can go and do something. Even having like a top golf right here is pretty cool. You know what I mean? Just yeah, yeah. <laughs> based on where I'm used to living. So I mean, it's uh, this area is really cool. You, you've mentioned all those areas. There's some football players up there. Uh... In that that part of of Virginia, from what I understand, absolutely, Mike yeah, Hill, yeah, yeah, Curry, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, that that's that's uh that's that's nice too to not have to uh to 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 go very far to uh, to find some players. Um, okay, so um, big news today was was Tom Brady retired, um, at least for for now. Uh, if you yeah. were to retire from coaching today, what would you what would you be doing? If I were to retire from coaching today, I would explore some other interests. With uh, probably my number one uh, interest would be to get into real estate. Okay, you know, explore real estate, invest in, uh, and get into where buying houses and in areas where I feel like they could be rented. Uh, kind of year round, and uh, either you know fixing them up, or uh, you know buying ones that are already pretty in pretty good shape, and uh, building a real estate uh, portfolio from there. Yeah, Just get your own reality money. show. <laughs> no, yeah. I ain't going down that road. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, uh, it's, it's worked out well. That. Yeah, that's awesome. That's interesting, Coach. Um, man, really enjoyed it. Enjoyed chopping it up with you and talking some D-line play. And I know these guys listening are going to be blessed because of it and, and learned a lot from it. So just want to uh, thank you again. I wish you and the uh, the Monarchs the best of luck in uh, 2023. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on. I mean, what you're doing is awesome. And, and it really takes a lot of uh, courage. To be honest with you to start a podcast. Uh, people that talk about it all the time. And then there's people that start and don't continue, you know. So what you've done and your staying power and being able to have this platform is is, is uh, unbelievable. And uh, you know, I look forward to hearing uh, future uh, future sessions. And uh, you know, if you ever need anything, don't hesitate to reach out. Thank you, Coach. Appreciate it. Thanks once again to Coach Arakanzi for joining us today. We had a lot of fun talking. And I appreciate him taking the time to share with us today. Hey, make sure you go and give him a follow on Twitter uh, at Coach Vic underscore. That's at Coach V-I-C underscore. And let him know you heard him here on KYPD. Also, be sure to follow us at KYPD Podcast. And while you're at it, go ahead and give us a five-star rating and leave us a review. That goes a long way in spreading the word about our podcast. Our quote of the day comes from Coach John Wooden and goes like this. Things turn out best for the people who make the best of the way things turn out. And with that, we will close out this episode of KYPD. Thanks again to you guys for giving us a listen today. And once again, thanks to Coach Vic for stopping by and sharing with us. And, and of course, before we get out of here today, always remember, keep your pads down. <laughs>